Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Now with the song Lithium, probably the biggest band in the world right now. The pleasure is all yours. Yes, sir, indeed. Please welcome Nivarma. Welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with me, Connor Keys, alongside me, opposite and far away, Mr. Ronan Mullen. J- Johnny Ross getting duped there. Jonathan Ross got fucking punked before punked even existed. Uh, yeah, so you heard there uh, the mighty Nirvana starting off uh, uh, with <laughs> what was supposed to be lithium. It was supposed to be lithium and then they just bit on into Territorial Pistons, which is probably the most hardcore punk song on the album. Yeah. It doesn't uh, quite suit Late night TV <laughs> doesn't suit the beep. Uh, so uh, 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 the perfect summation of Nirvana in yeah. one clip. <laughs> they did that quite a few times. They did it on um, Saturday Night Live, um, yeah. where they they just bit on and did a totally different song. And then most famously on the MTV Music Awards, and they were going to play. Um, I think it was Lithium as well. Mm-hmm. And they started with "Rip Me," which was a song <laughs> which was on the, the album after, after, and they hadn't even recorded it yet. <laughs> So I think there was a lot of shuffling when he starts singing mm. "Rip Me," and then and then he cuts into the song. But so, uh, yes. all three times they wreck the studio, absolutely, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, a bit of rage against the machine about them in the sense just not doing what they're told, and uh, no. sort of one of the endearing things about uh, Nirvana, aside from the music, yeah, was their sort of "fuck the system, will not do what we're told." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Nirvana. Um, Famous, obviously, in the sense of uh, infamous now by this stage, um, with lead singer Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. But on bass, we have Chris Novoselic. Novoselic. Chris. It's Chris. I never, I never, I, I know it's I was, always pronounced Chris, always so Chris, I never said Chris. It's Chris. Uh, Novoselic. And then, of course, David Grohl. David Grohlis on the, on the drummer ooze. Uh, I mean, didn't start with Dave Grohl in Nirvana? No, no. They. The, the sort of history of this one recording before we get into any songs, they sort of, they had it recorded, pretty much all of it recorded before mm-hmm. Grohl. And they had recorded with Butch Vig in his own studio in Wisconsin. And they were doing it while they were passing by through tours. Mm-hmm. So they had a majority of the songs done. And then there was a lot of goings on behind the scenes where Sub Pop were getting a deal for them. And they ended up signing with Geffen. Mm-hmm. And then they went on tour for a few months, came back. And because Geffen were a major label, like, They'd put a lot of money in it and said, listen, we'll give you money for a proper studio, but you need to get a proper producer. And they were like, no, we're happy enough with Butch Vig. You mm-hmm. made it really comfortable for us. So they went with Grohl now until Chris Canning had been fired at this point. Yes, Chris Canning was the original. He was the original. Well, they say that Dave Grohl is the fifth or sixth drummer in Nirvana. Yeah, because a couple of ones filled in. A couple of, one of the guys, Mudhoney, I think. Mudhoney and the Melvins. Melvins, um, that's right, yeah. Dale Crover filled in for a while, and he's played on a few songs. If you listen to Incesticide, mm-hmm. which isn't a proper album, it's sort of like a load of B-sides it's and like stuff. EP, isn't it? There's yeah. like a mixture of like four different drummers playing that album. Right, yeah. So they had a lot of songs recorded, so they just re-recorded all of them with Grohl. And 
the difference between the the, the two sounds is even though it's the same producer, mm-hmm. it's two thirds of the same band. Yeah, the sound of Grohl playing as opposed to is fucking completely outer dimensional. It like. really is. So we should point it like we say we mentioned the Sesside, um, the first album, first album Bleach. So this is our second album. Yeah. Um, a rarity sometimes to find a masterpiece being their second album. Well, because well, it's a, a difficult second yeah. album. Is normally what it's known as, um, and famously known as your difficult second <coughs> album. When your difficult second album becomes the best thing you've ever done, yeah, or best thing most people have ever done, yeah, then, yeah, it's, it's the a, sort of reference point for a lot of bands around that time too. Like, is yeah. this album because they wouldn't have had a hope. And yeah. do you think uh, I didn't read anything about this, and this is just fucking off the top of my head. Do you think Grohl's influence maybe because Grohl's a very when you see now in later life and we know from interviews and stuff he's a very positive good guy. Yeah. So it might have maybe given that sort of well not it's not an edge in that sense it might have actually polished him a wee bit to have that. Well he 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 has said um because Cobain was notoriously didn't like this album mm. he didn't like how it was produced and mixed which to me is sort of ludicrous because it sounds amazing. Yeah. And see, like we think about it right now it's it's nineteen ninety one like. Mm. This came out, mm-hmm. and it sounds it sounds as good now. Imagine sitting in nineteen eighty one and hearing something from the sixties. You can tell that it's a bit grainier, and it, you know you yeah. can tell it's from the sixties. Yeah, you'd know. You have no way. idea where this is from. Like, no, this sounds as relevant as something that came out this week. Could be made this week, absolutely. And that's again back to Butchvig. Uh, yeah, Vig. So if you check out Butchvig, Butchvig played such a massive role in this mm-hmm. album. And there seemed to be a lot of you look back on documentaries and interviews. There seems to be a lot of almost corralling of Kurt to do things. <laughs> yeah. And to do the things that were necessary to create the sound that we now know mm-hmm. was a hard slog to get Cobain to take part. Yeah. He um didn't want to do overdubs. He didn't mm-hmm. want to layer any instruments. He didn't what that means is you just play it again but in a different key yeah. or you just sing the same thing identical to what you just sang and then the two voices are put over the top of each other sounding like two people are singing it but uh, you do that uh, you too would do that a lot Bono does that yeah. he does a, an octave above and a, a, mm-hmm. an octave below so but then, that's trying to harmonise yeah. what they were trying to do here was just make the sound like there was what, like three people singing the exact same thing yeah no this was, was no what I mean by octave above it wasn't the harmony it was the same oh, right, note okay. the exact same note but it was just it's an over, over oh, right, yeah, right, so right, the right. same note to do but you have to listen to really distinguish between the two, and it's the same with this. Yeah. But I think, was it something right about Butch Vig said that he had to go to him and say, listen, this is what the Beatles did? He had to say John Lennon did it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he literally had to say for him to, to even try to do it again. He said he was he's the only person he's ever recorded who was able to replicate his voice over and over and over again and get it perfect and, every time. And there's something about that, because we have to give the context to music at that time too, mm-hmm. um, and this is Seattle, obviously, famously, but... There was an anti-Beatles kind of vibe about, you know, don't forget there was, Beatles aren't seen, not saying they weren't seen as the way they are, but there was sort of this thing of, oh, why does everybody love them? They're not that good, you know, that yeah. sort of uh, That's still about, it's still about. But Cobain didn't have that. He no. recognised that. He he loved good songwriting. And that's what, that's why he stood out amongst the Seattle grunge bands. Mm-hmm. But it also, I believe, that's why he's, the legacy has lasted. Yeah. Because those tricks and tips are what, as you talked about, could have been fucking released this week. Um, it just turns it into such a a sonically sound album like yeah, it really yeah. is. It is. And it's it was recorded in the famous Sound City studios mm-hmm. in LA, which they hated. They hated everything to do with Hollywood and Los Angeles and yeah, because Cobain just wasn't. I mean, he just didn't. He didn't like. Man, just, I, I dig it. Like, and, I, I don't like people. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't like people. And I mean, the term weirdo 
would be used for somebody like that and it's not necessarily it's just not falling for the pretense and the shit yeah he was very happy to be in Seattle and his home place. Yeah, and, and to be around people he liked, and yeah. and sometimes not to be around anyone at all, and just to be left alone. And and let's be honest, if you're going to LA, Hollywood, and all that sort of thing, a lot of fake stuff. <laughs> so a lot of fake stuff. Uh, they told a great story. Remember the band's uh, Europe uh-huh. final countdown? Of course, yeah. They were staying in the same hotel, right? Or it was apartments. Sorry, Oakwood Apartments. It was called in LA. Right. And they were recording an album too. And Nirvana would used to come out and like throw coffee at them when they were in the pool and all. And then they just fucking hated people. <laughs> it, was, it was great. But it's the sort of thing that when you record in a studio like that, you take a lot of time. Yeah. And they hated being in it. They wanted to just... get Because they'd with. recorded this already. Mm-hmm. But they were doing it again with a new drummer. So obviously Butch Fig was going, well, I'll now have the opportunity to do fix any mistakes I thought I made yeah. before. And uh, I think they did. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you think of... Uh that mentality of being of I want to get this done quickly sort of applies to everything he did. Mm-hmm. You know, power chords. Yeah, power chords. For me, when I was I was starting to learn guitar, Nirvana were a big, obviously a massive band by the time I got around, so you're talking about 93, 94. Um, and Unplugged had just been massive because he had just died. And yep. sort of, so, but everybody was talking, and, and power chords blew my mind because I was like, what do you mean you can play? Oh, sorry, there's the DIY department in the background. They're, they're, uh, what they're doing, actually, they're building their new studio. Yep. So we can't have a go at them. And yeah, so. it's soundproofing by, uh-huh. by making loud noises. <laughs> uh, but what, being able to power chords, I never understood them, really. And I still don't technically understand them. But there's just a shorter version of a chord. Yeah. And what that does, it allows you, it's, it's kind of like a guitarist wouldn't like them. Because they're the they're like an aficionado wouldn't like them because they're the sort no. of, they're the cheat version of playing a chord. Well, if you're if you're in any way, well, like like a quote I read was, you know, we we we'd grown up listening to Guns N' Roses and this that, and we couldn't follow that. Yeah. Now everyone could play the guitar if you really <laughs> yeah. wanted to. So yeah, had, they had to take it back to the basics. Which yeah, was like playing, but he he has the, said the over and over again, yeah. he he's not in any way efficient on the guitar. I think yeah. he learned back in black. Right. And then and that was it. That was it. He just started playing. And 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 in fairness to him, again, you can see that live. He's not that no efficient uh, 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 guitar player. But that's not what it was about. So you've got because the combination of all of it with the songwriting, mm-hmm. the drumming, and that was like he's a song hero man. I was going to say he doesn't get the credit he, no, he, he needs definitely. to get. He's he's fuck, and he is fucking nuts too. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> he's good perform. He's good live. He's uh-huh. good in the studio. He's it's perfect fucking combination. Um, it, if Andy Kaufman had ever had a sacred love child, it's <laughs> Chris Novoselic. <laughs> um, so I mean, it's the sound we know. I mean, the the, the weird thing about a uh, uh, a death mm-hmm. is the projection that sent the band. Yeah, the band were big, but they were only big in the music uh, circuit. They were only big in the musos. You know what I mean? They weren't yeah. mainstream, if you want to call it that. I remember, and this is how I—I I remember a couple of people. Uh, you probably would have been into them. Yeah, yeah, definitely time, was. Yeah. I wasn't. I remember people. I was starting to get into bands, and because only first year, don't forget. Yeah. So, um, the older boys were into them. I was like, who's this boy? And I remember, I can't remember his name. Uh, a guy. St- uh, Stevie Kern is his name, no? Yes. Yes. From Kilty Claho. I didn't know anything about him, but I remember our our, our mate Bondi going, fucking, Stevie Kern's going to fucking, we're giving an eye on him. I was like, why? He goes, he's fucking taking a bath with Kirk Cobain. I was like, who the fuck's Kirk Cobain? What, what happened? <laughs> that was the first time I heard about it. Really? I'd, I'd seen him walking about, I was like first year, yeah. seen him walking about, like, I mean, fucking depressed. Yeah, he was. I was like, 
that's mad that a singer would do you know who is this boy i never you know that's that's what i started my thing and then obviously by the time you start taking guitar lessons every guitar teacher was teaching you poly yeah uh, <laughs> uh so yeah uh, that's that's was my journey at that stage so i was at the i remember uh watching or reading the Sun newspaper, the joy that, uh, uh, yeah, we'd ask the it for the horse racing, he says. Aye, uh, <laughs> for the Babs. <laughs> no Babs name Warshire. What? Babs are calling. It's Shut a, up. It's a Bab free paper, oh, aye. Well, why, do you, why is anybody buying it then? Why is anybody buying it anyway? For the horse racing, apparently. Um, I had Babs are gone, page three. So, uh. How long, Connor? This is fucking real, this podcast. But the first time I ever really thought about a death being a positive thing to a band, and a death not positive, I'm not saying that, but to a band or anything, was The Sun did a, a, a the usual shit about 100 most important songs in the world. In the newspaper? In the newspaper, you know, okay. 100 most important songs ever, or whatever, or most popular song, whatever it was. And it gave you like this year's uh, position mm-hmm. versus last year's. Yeah. And the year before Could Be and Died, Smells Like Teen Spirit was number 84. Mm-hmm. But the year after he died, it was number three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, how important a song was. Yeah, and I was like, oh, so it just jumped fucking eighty-one places because he died. Mm-hmm. It's the same song. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, no. nothing changed except for his death. Yeah, yeah, and, so, and there'd already been two albums after that. So yeah. how it jumped to number is yeah. extraordinary. So that was from eighty-four. I never forget that eighty-four up to number three. I was like, that is fucking crazy. So, but smells like Teen Spirit. Even, um, even as you say today, it's still a stomper. That uh, it's it's you very rarely would flick on if you were a, a, no, a random shuffle playlist come on you would go that's that's I'm listening on to this today yeah the the I had a problem the only problem I had with Nirvana was I listened to them too much mm-hmm. when I was younger mm-hmm. and then after his death you just listened to them all day every day yeah and everybody and was, was listening to them and, everybody listened and, them, and I, I was thirteen gone beans like me a year younger than yeah you and I was and uh, yeah. to a point I just went you know what I'm taking a break right and then I took a break until like. The early 2000s, right, okay, like yeah. 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Started listening to them again, started appreciating them a wee bit more because you were listening to it sort of fresh again. Yeah. Um, And then obviously with the rise of Grohl and stuff and the Foo Fighters mm-hmm. and all that, you know, Nirvana popped up a lot. But it wasn't until last week mm-hmm. when Post, did you see Post Malone's live stream? No. Post Malone did an hour and a half gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, from his like apartment in Los Angeles, house in Los Angeles, yeah, and him and two mates and Travis Barker played drums, right, and they covered only Nirvana, and it was unbelievable. What the fuck? He was fucking insanely good. I mean, he's playing guitar and singing, D- doing the voice, not like I'm perfect not, like, doing the voice. Not, no, but, but I mean, he's he's he good, like, notes, like? Uh, really good. No, I haven't heard. I've only there's ever a lot heard of, like some of the Korean stuff is while he can be good melodically. There's a lot of roaring, and he's roaring, right? He's doing it. Like as good a job as you'd ever expect a tribute band to do, like. Ready? Okay. So, it just sent me on a listening to it again, and just yeah. going over it again, and going over the new Dro stuff, and then I listened to Nevermind from start to finish, and then I was really glad when you went. Do you want to do Nevermind? <laughs> I said, "Well, okay." Uh, I mean, so the the big tune obviously was uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." The story behind that, I always love the story behind that. Yes. Yeah, um, and I presume. Most of the musos out there will know the story behind it, but go on ahead, fill us in on the, the title of the song. The title of the song, Teen Spirit is a men's deodorant in America. A female deodorant? Is it not a men's deodorant? Is it a fanny flaps one? I think it's a, I think it's a femme fresh type thing. Because the girls who were hanging about with, you know, the riot girls, Bikini Kill and all them, yeah. the, the girls who were hanging about with Cobain, one of them was his girlfriend, Toby Vile, which most of this album's wrote about, but we'll get to that. 
and Kathleen Hanna, uh-huh. who is one of the Beastie Boys' wife. Uh. She, uh, they were blithered and they were writing fucking yes. epithets on the side of abortion clinics. And then they got to Kurt's house and they were still blithered and they still had the spray can and he passed out. So they wrote, Kurt smells like teen spirit on the wall. Mm-hmm. And then when he went to write this, he had left the apartment, obviously, because they've got a bit more money and they were recording in LA and all this crack. And he rang up Toby Vile and went, what was that thing you wrote on the wall? And he didn't, he still didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so he just decided to call a song Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, Teen Spirit was the, <laughs> it's sold by men and had a jacket here to make sure. So yes, it was, um, Anti-Persman deodorant. Pink Crush is a sassy fragrance to keep us up with the cute and girly side of you. So I think it was... That's definitely a man's deodorant. <laughs> definitely a man's deodorant. Uh, but yeah, so I remember seeing that and thinking that's... that's Because, I mean, a statement by itself yeah. smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Sounds fucking amazing. But then when you get the... When you get in, you're going, oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. But there, it was the last song recorded, too. It wasn't one of the songs recorded when they first tried the album. Yeah. So it was recorded with Grohl. Okay. So it was it was pretty fresh, like Teen Spirit should be fresh, and um, they've they've since, well, since about a year into playing it, they decided to stop playing it because <laughs> they were just sick of it because people were just shouting. Because it was like it, well, that's it. It, it, it must have got to the point, and it happens with a lot of bands, no matter how big. Well, especially when they get big, is a song must become really fucking annoying to them. Yeah. While the rest of the population are classing it as the best thing they've ever heard, and they're playing it over and over again, it must be like. Fuck that's really fucking me off now. <laughs> well, that, again, part of the whole counterculture thing, and, and particularly the song In Bloom, is about fans that turn up now and don't know what their stuff's about. Yeah. You know, he likes to sing along, and he likes to shoot his yeah. gun, but he don't know what it means. And that's what, like, Cobain couldn't f- fathom all these jocks and over here ranchers yeah. shouting, play smells like Teen Spirit, and they don't know what it was about. Yeah. And, I mean, that's why he would never have survived in today's world. No. With the Iron Maiden t-shirts going around with... Some Kardashians, yeah. Kardashians wearing Slayer t-shirts, yeah. Fuck off the fuck. <laughs> it's just I've seen I've seen people I know <laughs> don't know what that is. Uh, oh, it's brutal. But I mean, so a song like that, then you must. I remember a great story from uh, Glenn Hansard, mm. and I think we went to see him live, and he talked on stage about do you know the song "Falling Slowly"? You know the song, yeah, yeah. The Oscar, and and uh, so. It, Obviously, blew up and get a fucking Oscar for it. Um, but he <laughs> tells a story about a song is like a is like a, a kid in the backyard with football is like a, a, a songwriter writing a song. Yeah. You 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 kick the you kick the ball over the fence, and you're delighted, and you're constantly kicking balls over the fence. But then one day the ball goes really really far. Yep. And like you're really really impressed and really fucking like oh my god I can't believe it. and then. But party's going, I really want my ball back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a perfect explain. Like, yeah. you, 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 it's went so far and you're so proud of it, but they like, can't give it back to me. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah. can't. I, I don't enjoy it the way I did. Yeah. You're letting it let go. So I wonder then, did that do the same um, for this? Because I assumed it did. I mean, it's the, the intro alone. It's just iconic is what it mm-hmm. is. Right? Yeah. Now, it just never, never gets old. No, it's 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 such a great everything. Like, 
If you're a drummer, it's, it's a great intro. If you're no, a guitar it's player, not. it's a great intro. No, it's not. Oh, no. Wait, did you did you have problems with it? I still can't do it. I you can. You. I've I seen you do it. I, no. You have never seen me do Smell Like Teen Spirit because I can't do it. I can't, I, trust, I'm pretty I, sure that's see, one of the songs problem, I saw right? you play. This is the problem. I, I, Me and Ronan have conversations and Ronan may be a wee bit more bluter than I be. Okay. And not on the podcast. Not on the podcast, obviously. <laughs> and and then he forgets. We had a conversation at a wedding where you tried to teach me at a table how uh, it's done, and I still didn't know how it's done. <laughs> was I generally? It's, I was at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been my wedding. I think it was like during the service. Um, Before I fell. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the, yeah, it, that 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 triplet intro. We'll play it, like the drum intro. Like I, I just never. I'll play it again. You can never ever. I could just never get it. I could never get my head around it. And he's hitting hi-hat at the same time, and too. That's even worse. I, I know! Like, how is it even doing that? I don't know. I just... I don't... How many fucking beats are there? What's going on? I'm, I'm baffled why you can't do it. I, I'm still... I'm convinced I saw you do it. You have never seen me do it. I tried it once. Way back in the day in the Royal Arms Hotel with a band. That's where I'm... That's where I'm, I have the image of you doing no, it. No, 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 no. Because you were playing my drum kit. <laughs> uh, I, I played the song. Mm. But I definitely didn't play the intro. <laughs> I must have been blithered then too. <laughs> I did not get that. You might have went, "Oh, there's Nirvana," and you know, because you heard it. You yeah, because it yeah. was one bar, and yeah. I went, "He definitely did the intro." Then. <laughs> yeah, he must have done. <laughs> no, I didn't, Fuck. and I still can't. But you know, the, the then in later years, I think I talked about this in a previous podcast where there was an interview with Grohl talking about. Um, I think it was Lithium they were recording, and he wasn't keeping time. Yeah, and I think it was Butch Vig came to him and went. Maybe you should use a, a, Me- click, a yeah. click track. Yeah. They stuck like, on a metronome. And where he went. It's like, fucking grow only to click track. Is uh-huh. something I can't do is keep time. I can drum, but I can't. I'll, I'll just drift in and out. <laughs> just out of boredom. I don't know. I think it's like, uh, it's military precision to be consistent of that. I, I find it. On the other side of that, though, some people find it really difficult to play their click track because it puts them off completely. Right. And uh, that, that's the other sort of. But I just was only, as I say, only in recent years going. So all this time, Dave Grohl has had to use a click track? Yeah. A click track, by the way, for anyone that's listening, what the fuck are they talking about? It's just a a click, a a, a constant. Yeah, at the speed that that you're supposed to have. That keeps the tempo you're supposed to be at constantly. And he's wearing it. And you'll see a lot of of drummers will have them live. Yeah, they do. You'd need to because you can't hear maybe the rest of your band or whatever Mm -hmm. in big arenas or whatever. But uh, I just just thought, wow, even the best Mm -hmm. still need something to keep them to that level if you want to see that um, I don't know if he uses a click track anymore I think he drumming, does for certain things yeah, yeah. so uh, it's yeah so that was that was uh, an amazing thing for me to find out that and he said himself in the interview it was like it's kind of the worst thing a drummer can hear mm-hmm. is do you want a click track yep <laughs> but that the, the thing I don't get about that I remember that interview and the thing I didn't get about it was this is his first album yeah. He's, he's a never, public. Yeah. He's f- and this is his first go. He's only been in the band about six months or something. <laughs> what a debut album to work on. <laughs> I know. And he'd been playing songs that they had obviously done in Bleach and mm. other songs that were later on in Cesticide, but not a lot of Nevermind had been yeah. written yet. So he was, he was just, this was his first instinct. Mm-hmm. That that intro is his first instinct Jesus as an, in, an intro for a, a, a song. Oh, that's depressing. The first song in the album, the first single. Right. Yeah. Like... Fuck off, uh, <laughs> bastard! Uh, the other, um, I mean, the 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 big songs, all all the tunes were big in regards to sound, mm-hmm. and um, even the soft ones were big. Mm-hmm. If you want to 
get cliched about it, but there were there was a big fucking uh, uh, sign behind them. Uh, Come as you are, then was another, if you want to call it an MTV favorite. Back yes. in the days when MTV played music, yes, uh, the video and all the things that went with it, it was it was quite a big tune. But we should talk about their influences mm-hmm. as a band because Seattle and uh, was out there in in the sense that very was, much so, yeah, and and maybe surrounded a lot more with poverty and and social issues than most people would have. Yeah, it's a understood. port town, like yeah. it's it's. Uh, REM were a big influence. REM. On were massive influence yeah. early REM yeah really good friends with them and stuff mm-hmm. um, to the point that um, Man on the Moon was actually the REM song was the the yeah yeah yes mm-hmm. it was in, in competition with Cobain they had a competition to see how many could uh, get how many yes they could fit into a song because mm-hmm. Cobain has a lot in this he, album he does. Yeah. Um, and that was a sort of in joke between themselves and Stipe wrote that with yeah 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 after every line um, it was yeah, right. so they were really good, really good friends and stuff. So, but it was a, again we 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 when you meant, as you say early REM because mm-hmm. their REM we think of now is very mainstream and all the rest. But at the time they were very alternative. They were very alternative. Automatic for the people is a fucking great album. Mm, yeah, but their their stuff before that was really um, it wasn't mainstream. Yeah, at well, losing my religion. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have a chorus. Yeah, <laughs> it's played by a mandolin. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's, there was nothing about it mm-hmm. that was normal at the time. Um, so yeah, so they were big influences, but then you had the likes of the, the likes of, of, of Mud Honey and them, uh, Mud Honey and the Melvins, their peers as such, yeah. there were people who played along with, um, because you've Pearl Jam and all coming out there as well, and all that sort yeah. of stuff. But but they were nowhere in sight at no. this point. No. Even Alison Chains and Soundgarden had already released. In fact, you know, on the same day that Nevermind came out, Bad Motorfinger by Soundgarden came out, Low End Theory by Tribe Called Quest came out, and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, right, on the same day, same day as Nevermind. Jeez. What and date then was that? That was September 21st, 1991. Ooh. So that was a pretty good fucking Monday. If you were going down to the record shop. <laughs> well, imagine, you're, imagine it was today in the Spotify. I know. And those five you're albums just dropped. <laughs> you wouldn't get time. Uh, it's also the year of uh, we, uh, a previous subject here on podcasts, Actong Baby as well. 91. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. 91, there was a lot of that was changes. A huge fucking sound year. stuff, yeah. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 were released the week before. That's right. And by the time long. by the time we came to January, Nevermind was out selling Guns N' Roses. For both and albums. For both <laughs> albums. At, at number one in the album charts though. Mm-hmm. Was um, um Oh the well the, I yeah, I remember They had they had a <laughs> they had a major upheaval. Well put it this way, think about it. If you're in the world where this is number one then all of a sudden Nirvana turn up. So the Thanks. the culture was pretty much this song. Yeah, more or less. In a way. <laughs> so... <laughs> How dare you? Not even... Like, not only did Nirvana come out to a world that was occupied and dominated by this they knocked it off number one that's well that's true yes and never mind became the number one album in america you're slagging off slash here yeah i'm yeah <laughs> <laughs> i am openly slagging off fucking everyone involved with that oh slash except the rapper one of the best raps ever done who was he i don't know i don't know I think he lived in Jackson's dungeon somewhere <laughs> uh, <laughs> no he was an adult he didn't have adults <laughs> I I, st- I don't even know who he is. All uh, I remember is Macaulay Culkin slash uh-huh. 
Michael Jack. Who, who is the, the rapper? The black guy, the rapper. He was standing on the steps. Rapping away? Rapping away like fuck. Fuck. Who is it? <laughs> oh, it's going to kill me now. Uh, we'll find out. Um, so, the, yeah, Answers this album... Postcard. This album was changing a lot of things. And yeah. their influences, like you said, were varied. Um, mm. But when Come As You Are came out, they were very um, anxious about releasing this as a single. Now, it's on your album, so it's there already. But yeah. they, were, they were anxious to release this as a single because... It sounds really, really, really similar to something else. To a killing joke song. Ooh, you so if you, can, us, Mr. if you can play we'll, the start, we'll, we'll play uh, "Of Come As You Are." Right. I can play that. <laughs> See, <laughs> achievement. I can do that intro. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I didn't want to be cheeky fucker. <laughs> right. So we all know it. We yeah. all know that, right? Yeah. So. Which one did you say? What was the name it's of it? It's Killing Joke. The uh-huh. 80s, it's called. Right, so. Right. Let's do the start of it. Uh... Get the fuck. Like. It's no very similar. <laughs> so they had a right to Hold be. on a minute. Let me hear that again. <laughs> Jesus, that's. Is it even a note out? <laughs> like, that might be note for note, just different speed. Like, and even not that much of a different speed. It's it's what I every time I hear comes you are now I go because mm. I I wasn't a killing joke fan obviously. Ronan eleven, you just ruined my. <laughs> no, it's sort of weird because you you can't unhear that. You can't unhear it now. No more of that, right? <laughs> but what, uh, well, infamously as well, the video for comes you are. Mm-hmm. You know the way they're always sort of decked. There's waterfall in front, yeah. and there's like effects. He's projected on a wall, and you can mm-hmm. barely see him. The reason they didn't want to show his face because he was coming off heroin, and he was grey. Oh shit! So they wanted to ensure a video you could barely see the band's faces, mm-hmm. and you could you could see them performing, but you couldn't really see them clearly. Oh. Old Curdy was on the on the hitch. Oh, you'd wonder now at him being in such a stable relationship and stuff, right? So there would be. Let me see. Uh, well, this is. Uh, well, I've got to play this. Go for it. So, uh, up there with one of my favorite covers. Of the song, right. there's not too many can cover this song. No, but it's a local Belfast guy, uh, Jim the King Brown. Okay, okay. Remember Jim? Remember Jim? The I King remember Brown? Jim. Right um, I think it was TFI Friday. I think that sort of Chris Evans got him on the show or whatever. Uh, but he was a great Elvis impersonator. And uh, yeah, he released an album called Gravelands. 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 All songs by artists who had uh, perished. Okay. It was a great album. Fucking clinker album. If you ever get a chance to go and look, Jim the King Brown, uh, you'll probably find him on YouTube because this is one of them. Is that him covering Killing Joke? <laughs> Already, you know, the production's good. It's good. It's good. Wait till you hear this. Oh, oh Jesus. Come as you are, <laughs> as a friend. What? As a As Elvis? Yes, baby. That's fucking bizarre. It's fucking but it's listenable. Like. Uh, so he's covering dead artists as a dead artist? As a dead artist. Wow. Inception album, baby. Back that's before fucking, Inception even existed. That's blowing my brains. Uh, and he was a postman. So. <laughs> that's definitely Inception there. Well, he's not a postman. Wow. What's the soundtrack to Inception? Just big loud noises. He's, uh, he's the... 
he's the next fucking Frank Chisholm. That's what he is. Fucking nobody can touch Frank Chisholm. Oh, he's a poor man's Tony Leonard. That's what he is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Frank Chisholm, but, Tony Leonard, Kellen Joke, Nirvana. There you what go. more do you need? Uh, well, listen. How can we not talk about Nirvana and not talk about our very, very colloquial link with Mr. Yeah, Cobain? That's a strange one. It's a very strange scenario. So. Can we? I, I don't. I didn't get into. I just know this as a sort of local folklore type thing. So I don't know the exact details. But is it true his grandfather moved from the well, hills of Tyrone? They were originally from Cork, but right. they did move to Tyrone at some point because we have Coburns and Cobains. Yes, scattered all around Tyrone. Yes, and he even says it. There's an interview where he talks about his link with Ireland. All right. Okay. Right. And he mentions that. He, he he couldn't there, there wasn't the, the the means we have now with ancestry.com and stuff you couldn't yeah. really hunt down your your lineage or anything like that so he he found a person he could find nobody with the surname Cobain uh-huh. in his area yeah but he found a person Coburn and when he contacted her she was like yeah we were originally called Cobain we're from Cork in Ireland I have loads of history here right and he had been in Ireland like the year before playing in Cork Fucking the hell. first time they played Smells Like Teen Spirit outside of America was to 200 people in a bar in Cork. Ah, Jesus. And they were supporting Sonic Youth. Right. And it was 750 capacity, <laughs> but nobody was. was there. People didn't turn up because nobody knew who Nirvana were. They weren't Sonic. They weren't massive after plates. They were big in America, but... so Sonic Youth and Nirvana and one show. But, uh, and somebody else was Dinosaur Jr. or something. Oh, so it's a good lineup, but mm. uh, of course, with it being history as it as it notoriously always usually usually happens, is everybody was there. Of course, how I yeah, everybody was there. Only yeah. two hundred people were there, but everybody everybody had been there. They remember being there. Yeah, was there. Yeah, and uh, then like Nirvana at the King's Hall, like Nirvana at the King's Hall. Yeah. Everybody was there. Everybody was there. Yeah. But and then weirdly, weren't they supposed to play the RDS three days after he committed mm-hmm. suicide? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of links there. <laughs> a lot of links there. <laughs> so many so, happy links. Initiative. Okay. Initiative is the name of the townland, and uh, one of our local cohorts, Mr. Peter Hughes, mm-hmm. would be a big initiative. Uh, born and bred. Native. Native. I couldn't think of the word there. And uh, yeah, he would be uh, obviously promoting the magical realm that is Initiative. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Cobain has been one of the big links to there. And they um, opened up a museum or something in down south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like recently, like Courtney Love and his daughter, Francis Cobain, they, they turned up for the opening, though. Right. So it's legit. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, so, so, I mean, we are the center of the universe, and it's just... Um, always, man. There's always, always a link. <laughs> I think Grohl's mother has... She's Irish ancestry as well, and I think the two boys, when they were here, were just walking about in days, like... Just feeling... Grohl says he rang his mother when he was first here and went, everybody looks like you. <laughs> 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 Big Irish mommy heads in the way. Big freckled fucking... <laughs> freckled angry faces. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, uh, that's our link to here, but, I mean... Uh, it would maybe explain the musical end of things and the songwriting and things, or whatever, that's because that's sometimes genetic. Yeah, but uh, it still doesn't compensate for it being so modern. Yeah, but yet such a homage to early rock. Yeah, because it's, it's like the 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 thing about Nirvana stands out even from Pearl Jam. Like Pearl Jam, let's be honest, when it came to mainstream, Pearl Jam had one hit in that sense. Yeah, but it was big. It was big, but I mean, you know, but was, I always have this thing about melody. It has to, melody has to be um, good, and one a good melody is a memorable one. Mm-hmm. And as heavy, even territorial pistons, as heavy as Nirvana would get, the melody always shone out. Yeah, of the singing, which is a hard thing to fucking do. 
because I know some of the stuff you listen to would be um, melody wouldn't be the, the Me- melody list. <laughs> it wouldn't. No, no, it definitely wouldn't. It doesn't doesn't play a big factor in your no. Um, but for me, I've always been. As I always melody. thought during uh, Hammer Smash Face by Cannibal Corpse, <laughs> just adding in a wee bit of melody. <laughs> It would have been a classic. <laughs> it's already a classic in my eyes, but it would have been Stone Cold. <laughs> it would have had to mainstream. When he said, so you eat, eat vaginal fluid. Nah, you see that. If that was like, eat vaginal fluid. Yeah. I would have been, fuck. Nah, you would have lost your ball then. You would never that get have been, you never got never that ball. Got, ball <laughs> oh, hard to <sighs> a bit of vaginal fluid. But it's, uh, <laughs> there are, there are things about this album that are always going to, uh, last uh, you know obviously smells like teen spirit well the album cover mm-hmm. was so well, i was gonna say controversial it was controversial at the time. it was, was pretty controversial considering considering what's going on um today for instance yeah if that album was released oh fuck Highlands. could be and would be on every conspiracy theory website on the world mm-hmm. as being the list of footers a footer for footer for footer no let's uh, get it straight he didn't he didn't photograph no, the cover. No. But he did say, I want that cover. Yeah, he didn't want that so, on. So... Um, and I, well, I don't know. I'm going to stick up for Kurt and say it was probably her that wanted it. Um, well, let's, let's not get into that. <laughs> but the guy, mm-hmm. the baby, uh-huh. have you seen an interview with him in later years? Yes. Who has had uh, any number of sexual encounters um, by being able to prove that he is the baby on the cover of Nevermind. What? <laughs> yeah, he has been very lucky with the ladies in his lady li- later life, apparently. There was a, doc- a documentary about the album, whatever, and they met up with him. And he was like, yeah, girls seem to dig that I'm on the cover of Nirvana, Nevermind. Girls are weird, man. So he's he's a very lucky boy in his, uh, what, what would we mean now, 30? Oh, well, yeah. If that was taken, 91. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 20, 29. 29, which is the boy's doing well. But not a boy no more. Um, <laughs> that's such a weird album cover. Uh, it's a very weird. <laughs> I re- and, uh, also a weird. I, I remember seeing a Simpsons version of it. Do you remember the one? Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of versions of that album, but the it, Simpsons it, one does stick out more it, than most. It kind of became a, a meme before memes existed. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those ones. Yeah. Um. So the the iconic uh, the album became the album became iconic as much as the album covered it. The sales it wasn't a big sale at the time, but after his death, it was just obviously... It was selling really well. They expected it to sell 50,000 copies all in because mm-hmm. a Sonic Youth album the previous year had sold 100,000 mm-hmm. and Sonic Youth were pretty well known. So when it started selling 300,000 copies a week, yeah. they were like, oh, f- yeah. holy fuck. Something like it hit something. 7 to 10 million. Yeah. Something. But then after death, it, it went it went to 30 million yeah, and yeah. it's just growing and growing. And that's just US. I don't even know the world. Sales, yeah, because the same the same effect ultimately mm-hmm. happened everywhere, every other country. It just uh, the death took him to new levels. Yeah, uh, it, to the point it's he's, they still never. Lo- Sometimes what happens with a band like that, if you think of uh, a likes of a, a U two or a Coldplay or something like that, when they get that big, mm-hmm. they lose sort of credibility. And maybe they might have done if they could produce more music, mm-hmm. but they don't. They still feature in every single, um, if you want to call it. Alternative, yeah, um, but it's, it's very strange, but still successful. It's weird. It's yeah. A, yeah, there is no alternative if you're if you're the number one album. If you're number one album. Yeah, it's not alternative anymore. It's it's mainstream. So yeah, you know, I think he that was his major fight with himself. Although, and and in many interviews, you, you hear people talking about people that were in the studio, like Andy Wallace, the mic, the guy who mixed it, mm-hmm. who's mixed pretty much every album that's ever been fucking made. Um, he 
he says Cobain outrightly said to him that I'm writing these songs like a pop song, mm-hmm. but then we're doing our thing to it. Yeah. So he knew it was it had mainstream potential. So he knew he was going down that avenue. But then when it clicked with so many people, he wasn't happy with that. No, no. That's and so. Butch Fig himself said, "I think Kurt doesn't like Nevermind because it sold so much." Yeah. Kind of Whereas like if it didn't, if it sold the fifty thousand yeah. that Geffen thought it was going to sell. I think he would have been happy with yeah. it. He didn't want the ball to go that far. He didn't want the ball yeah. to go that far. Um, and and part of me is like, fuck up and just take your millions. <laughs> but another part of me is like, well, then you wouldn't produce such great songs if you weren't a twisted yeah. kind of fucking, what would you call it, a lost soul maybe? Because he was, he was definitely hurting, you know. He was, well, he was, I mean, he was hurting from the start. You could hear it in every song. Yeah. He was sort of, he was a guy questioning... Am I alone? I feel alienated. Is there yeah. other people that feel this way? And this answered the question, but he didn't want the answer. No, and that's the thing. And 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 then when he's presented with what we as normal plebs would assume is the dream, yeah, loads of money, big house, security, and all the rest, it still wasn't bringing them the happiness. No, so it it just was something that was that uh, was never going to be fixed with music, fame, celebrity, or whatever. You no, know? Um, I remember the, the remember the live and loud thing that was played on MTV that mm. concert with Pat Smears playing. It was after yeah. a new drug came out. I remember reading a thing about it took a long time to convince him to do it. Right. Because he was like, A, I don't want to play to this many people anymore. Uh-huh. And B, I don't want to fucking mug to the camera for MTV. Yeah. Like, it's not my thing. I don't want to do it anymore. So that leads him on into the last thing he did do with MTV. I know this is not part of Nevermind, but it's still, um, you know, there were certain songs on the album that would lead to mm-hmm. an MTV Unplugged. MTV Unplugged now is obviously unheard of. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just it, gone, where it used to be it like used people to be. released their their next album was their unplugged album. Yeah, I was very I you know I remember being in the nineties and very excited when anybody would do an unplugged. Mm-hmm. Eric Clapton unplugged was a, a fantastic album, you know, because they all were live acoustic performances. Yeah, so Polly, for instance, was a good example. We'll play a, a clip of that. I mean, there were songs on Nevermind that, as much as things were quite heavy, there were soft, fucking delicate songs that popped yeah. up um, on Nevermind. Polly wants a cracker Think I should get off her first And when you hear that in Unplugged, it just... It, it fits exactly with what you would want because it's an well, acoustic yeah, song. But th- this song... This is the only recording that they kept from the old session uh-huh. that's on Nevermind. Right, okay. So this is the only credit of Chris Canning. Oh, okay. He hits a symbol. <laughs> Who gets a royalty to this day? <laughs> he does not. He hits a symbol twice, and he gets a royalty from Polly, because it's him hitting the symbol, not Dave Grohl. Not Dave Grohl. Now, they never thought to just record Dave Grohl hitting a symbol <laughs> and then just keep it all even playing field. Now, Polly itself is a weird song because it's about a serial killer yeah, about a guy who, dark, who yeah. tort- kidnapped a girl and tortured her by hanging her from his roof right and would burn her and all this crack so know. this is sung from the perspective of the killer of, of the, 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 the guy who was caught he was let out of prison in the early 80s and then just went on to offend again and including this one and the girl only got away because he took her to a truck stop and she got out of the truck and ran and just got lost in like a, a field and then was found in a ditch and then this guy was arrested but he was he, they thought he was the Green River Killer oh right okay so Cobain read this just like the Beatles is him. he uh-huh. was reading it in the newspaper and he just remembered it yeah so he started writing lyrics from the perspective of the boy that kidnapped the girl 
And that's what that song's about. That's delicate, lovely week. I know. What's and you're going, you that? That's, um, yeah, maybe not now. <laughs> you're, ru- you're ruining a lot of songs for me, Rob. But also, uh, Territorial <laughs> Pistons, at the start of Territorial Pistons, there's uh, there's an audio of Chris Novoselic singing a song. Yeah. And he sings the, the, the 60s, Smile on your brother, everybody. Yeah. Sing a song. That boy still gets a fucking royalty because Chris Novoselic just in the studio, fucking about, sang the start of another song. Q six months after the album comes out, Nova Selleck, Grohl, and Cobain are all in a fucking war with each other over royalties. Uh, and of course, Courtney Love's in the middle of it, trying to get the most mm. for Cobain, which he ended up getting. Courtney Ono, we should call her. Courtney Ono. So, but fucking Nova Selleck wished he'd shut his fucking mouth, stop singing all her songs, start a bloody song. <laughs> Because he just gave away part of the royalty that he would have had. <laughs> I never actually thought of it. I always wonder, because I do know that song, because it's... Um, Jefferson it's Airplane? A, the yeah, really it's on the Forrest Gump soundtrack. That's what yes, I heard yes. It. And uh, I remember going, oh, all right, okay. But I never really thought about the royalty. See, you never think about the royalty. Don't think so. the many, we talked about this on the show on the yeah. podcast, about even asking for uh, image rights of using the album covers. You know, mm-hmm. you never think about those things. And if you think about it, the 30th anniversary is coming up next year, September next year, I know, scary. of Nevermind. And it was one of the members telling you about Snoop Dogg. It was one of the mixes that was burned up in that fire in Universal. Ah, oh, no way. So they're going to have to take it from an already existing digital. So we'll never actually never hear, hear the, original. the full original. Oh, man, that's gotten. Ball, ball bags. Uh, but they did release an awful lot of stuff in recent years. Uh, yeah, there, rarities and demos. There was a 20th stuff, like, anniversary yeah, one yeah. That, that has like 72 tracks on it. And then there was the, 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 the song... Um, you know you're right, which yeah. was kind of a lost, a lost. Probably sort should of have, probably should have kept that one. In yeah, the um, but I mean, we, when you got to then, obviously in hindsight we know now, um, but we know how, what he was going through in regards to the end. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously he committed suicide. But was it three, four days before he did that? He did. Uh, MTV Unplugged? Or was it three or four days before it was broadcast, maybe it was? Before it was broadcast. Because um, I think he did the unplug before he had the heroin overdose right. in France. Uh-huh. And then, like, a guy who's just tried to kill himself, you decide to leave him alone? Yeah. With a load of heroin and a shotgun? Yeah. Uh, that'll work fucking end up right. That's going to be good. Um, so, I, I, I'd seen documentary in later... Uh, years with Grohl explaining that now again with hindsight we, we didn't understand why he wanted all his favourite flowers yeah. all over the stage yeah. um, and as, as you can see it is adorned with flowers and all that um, and it's a very mournful performance very like there's, mournful it's very very like it's some of the songs they decided to cover are yeah. Uh, awfully sad songs like very sad songs uh, Man Who Sold The World as well David Bowie yeah and they, they do it quite it's just been re-released and redone this year oh right last week two weeks ago the Bowie album uh, no, it's a it's a boy. Nothing changed or something. Like oh, that, right, where okay. They've changed. They've re-recorded. I don't know if I don't know what we. I mm. won't look into it. But no, no, like Manic's oh, good. World sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. But uh, I don't know if it's his original vocal has been done with new backing track or okay. Has he has he sent it in via satellite? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's at it, folks. <laughs> he's doing it. Um, but the the. the as you say, mournful is the right way of describing it because whilst every single fucking teenager I knew that was learning how to play guitar was learning every single song of MTV Unplugged, it also was an album then. I'm sure they didn't plan that before that, but because of his death, it became an album that was huge. Mm-hmm. It became up there with Nevermind. I mean, every song on that uh, became 
famous again, yeah, even yeah. even the covers, because yeah. Man Who Sold the World wasn't a big hit for David Bowie, um, for a younger generation, but that's how I found it was through. Yeah, Havana. no, I'm I'm the same. Um, and I remember I'd play him one time, and my going, "What are you doing, David Bowie?" I was like, "No, man, Nirvana." <laughs> She's like. I think that's David Bowie. I was like, "Shut up, man! It's Nirvana. It's you you Nirvana. don't know my life." Yeah, <laughs> and then you go, uh, You're like, oh, "Sorry, man, didn't know." Uh, so this is a week. This is something in the way. So there was only a couple of songs really on Nevermind that could have been. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that "Smells Like Teen Spirit" unplugged. No, it's not going to work. No. Um, Jar was used, uh, Polly, and then this as well. So just to give you an idea of the sound of. Look at it. I know it's, it's like a it, fucking funeral. Like. It is a funeral, like the black candles, mm-hmm. the white uh, orchids, and the white flowers all over the place. Like I actually prefer this version to the version that's on the yeah. album. So you've got Pat Smears in there mm-hmm. on the on the, the is it Mexican? Was the flag? Is it no? Is it what's that? Uh, is it Ecuador maybe? American. The the colored guitar and mm-hmm. then the uh, the cello player as well. That's the other yes. thing that adds to that as well. Which he, which Queen didn't want on the album. Mm-hmm. He didn't want a cello player, and they had to really try to convince him, and and I think it works. Oh, it does surely. But they like if you if you go through this the whole album it's full of fucking really famous tunes. Mm. But put on stay away. Mm-hmm. We'll 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 wrap her up with with this. Right. The start of stay away. I've seen people cover it. And I've never seen anybody cover it right. Right. Okay. Because if you listen to the drums intro and particularly pay attention to the kick drum, Dave Grohl's playing it faster than a human should with one foot. While doing a drum roll, which you've probably never noticed, but even like I was talking about the Post Malone one, Travis mm-hmm. Barker's an extraordinary drummer. Mm-hmm. He can't even do it. He was doing it at half the speed. Grohl's doing it in the live video. So listen to this. Did they overdub it? They couldn't have. They played everything live in the studio. What do you hear? Oh. Just listen to one. You've heard it a hundred times. Hold on. He's going. Have you ever, have you ever listened to the kick drum? Flat out. Jeez. Like I was going, holy fuck. Like I can't do that. I've tried to do the roll. No problem. Do the kick on its own. No problem. Two together. You're all over the fucking place. So Travis Barker, he plays it half the time. So he goes, where's the rolls going? Jesus. I was like, no wonder they didn't play it that fucking much live. No. I've never, I I've listened to that all the time, but I've incredible. never tried to keep track. But th- would it have been double pedal, no? No, he didn't use double. Jesus. Single. I've actually seen him play it live. Right. And you can see his foot doing it. I was like, boys, boys, nah, boys, boys. And then it goes more fucking insane from then on in. Ah, it just goes worse. <laughs> so they, uh, well, when we they, have talked about it before. We talked about it on the Queens of Stone Age yeah. podcast. I mean, um, we're still waiting for that video of, of you to do the... Hey, man, the best way to get me to do things is don't tell me to do it. <laughs> Because once you go, like I tell you before, I'd be studying away, man, GCSEs, lethal. And then somebody come into the door and went, you studying there? i go, fuck this. <laughs> well, all I can say is we don't want to fucking see you anywhere near a drum kit, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't even have one in the house. It's a fucking van, man. I'd have to go to Green Castle. Uh, the drums are on lockdown, so uh, <laughs> once, we, once we get that out, once we get that out, we want to see 
Queens of Stone Age, no one knows, and you're doing the intro to stay Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not even going to admit up. I'll be able to do that. It's fucking hell. I've been crying about it the last three days. Well, there you are. I've never thought I would hear that. So that that's, we now know the standard. <laughs> stay away. Oh, yeah. Nirvana there's fuck me. The, it's... Um, yeah, apart from, I'm sure, obviously, the drumming that you listen to, I've watched you playing um, some of the drumming that you like. And uh-huh. It is fucking mental. Ah, uh, it's a wee bit nutty. Mental. Um, but yeah, it's nice to know that something as mainstream as this is keeping you tied down. Yeah, but <laughs> even to, to see someone, like, because I was really, as soon as I heard they were covering Stay Away and mm-hmm. that tra- the Post Malone one, I went, fuck, I, I really want to watch the boy playing this, because yeah. they shoot everybody individually and you can watch, oh, the, you whole, watch the whole thing, right? He's and not, he, and he's, do, he's not doing it. No. Not the way Grohl does it. And that uh, broke my heart because Travis Barker's a fucking great drummer. Yeah. But it just shows you how much skill actually is in Grohl. <laughs> like, and if you're and doing then, an hour and a half show... This is the thing, and, and I mean, we talked about it before. I mean, then you have Grohl then giving up that to go and yeah, play front it. to sing. Yeah. And you're like, that's... Imagine being Taylor Hawkins. I know. In a band. Was, he's got a song on guitar. Dave's going, everybody hear the song. And then Taylor, Taylor oh, I'll, I'll come, come up with a drum beat with that. Imagine the fucking pressure oh, yes. of coming up with a drum beat well, to a Dave Grohl song. Isn't that what happened? <laughs> the, the second Foo Fighters album, the guy they had playing the drums, played all the drums, recorded them, and then he went home to Seattle, and Dave Grohl wiped it, did it all did himself. Because <laughs> he just didn't like it. Yeah. Pressure, oh, boy. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, but again, I mean, if, you, if your debut album of drumming is Nevermind, you have a right to be able to... Uh, Mm-hmm. Sort of question any drumming that happens in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, as always, uh, we would say go and have a listen. I mean, surely by now uh, you at least know the singles from Never Nevermind. But yeah, go and give it a, a whack from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Listen in for that overdub and listen listen in for the double layering voice. Um, yeah, we didn't we, we didn't even touch Train You and Lounge Act and on a plane yeah. and stuff. And, and they're all crackers in the middle. We, of it. we talk about Lithium, we don't go through it, but it's a it's a fucking great tune as well. Uh-huh. So there's lots of stuff in there. Uh, and yeah, just <laughs> go and watch Jonathan Ross's face at the end of that video <laughs> when he has to talk to the audience and explain to him that wasn't the song we, we were supposed to play. Or go and look at Charles Barkley's face on Saturday Night Live when Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic start snogging. <laughs> That's your homework for the week. Chat Bye. next week. <laughs>